Good morning, everyone. Parshat Devarim, Shabbat Chazon. Um, it's important that we focus on both, and we're going to see that uh, today's shir does focus on both the Parsha of the week, Parshat Devarim, always precedes Tisha B'Av, and Shabbat Chazon, when we have the famous Haftarah from Isaiah, from Yeshaya, Chazon Yeshayahu, very unique wording, doesn't appear anywhere else um, in prophecy. This word Chazon, the type of uh, seeing that we're discussing is very unusual. Um, but in any event, I want to begin with a pasuk which is um, towards the beginning of the book of Devarim, in Parashat Devarim. It's in Perik Beit, the second chapter of Devarim, Pasuk Zayin, verse 7. Indeed, God, your God, has blessed you in everything you do. Now, this is actually a little strange. The word yada here doesn't quite fit in to the context. Um, yada, he has watched over you. That's the way that yada is translated into English. He has watched over your wanderings um, through the great wilderness. Yada We're going to come back to that word yada. God, your God, has been with you these past 40 years. Lo You have lacked nothing. That's the Pasuk, um, it's Pasuk Zayin in Perik Bet of Devarim. By the way, I think that... Uh, Carly is going to be um, um, enabling you to access this source sheet. There's actually two source sheets today because some parts of the Nesiva Shalom, which I'm going to go through today, I've actually expanded on into a separate source sheet. Um, they will also be on my website, on the webpage, and they will be on YouTube. They'll be on SoundCloud. Um, incidentally, if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, um, please go to the bottom right-hand corner, pass your mouse over the bottom right-hand corner, the arrow, and you'll see a little picture of me. If you click on that, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, and that will enable you to receive all the many um, broadcasts that I do and the YouTubes that uh, we put up on the YouTube channel on a regular basis, two or three a week, and I'd love you to be a part of that. Um, we have many hundreds of followers and love you to be one of the followers as well if you haven't yet subscribed. In any event, I'm now going to go to the Nesivas Sholem that uh, really focuses on this Pasuk. Ki Hashem elokecha beirachacha b'chom ase yadecha yada lechtecha et hamidbar agadol hazeh ze arbaim shana Hashem elokecha imach lo chasar tadava. What is the purpose of this Pasuk? How are we meant to understand the idea that Moses, Moses, Moshe Rabbeinu is trying to convey to the nation here in the very opening remarks of his final speeches before he passed on. These, these were the final five weeks of his life. He gave a series of speeches, a series of addresses to the Jewish nation before he was no longer going to be with them. And this is one of those pesukim. And he somehow accompanied you over, four, well, of course he accompanied them over 40 years in the wilderness. And of course we know that they lacked nothing. So what exactly is this Pasuk trying to convey, or what is it that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, is trying to convey to the Jewish nation? Says the Nesivas Sholem, Harav HaKadosh HaMagid MiKoshnitz. The Koshnitz HaMagid, Zechus HaYogen Aleinu. He was one of the very early Hasidic masters of the 19th century, one of the great Hasidic thinkers, and he was a Magid. He not only thought, he not only had great Hasidic thoughts, he conveyed them and uh, he shared them with a wide audience. He was a Magid, a fantastic speaker, and wherever he went, hundreds, thousands of people came to hear him speak. And this particular drasha is recorded in his Sefer Katab Ba'avodat Yisrael. You know that, he says, every year 
This particular parsha, and, and therefore this particular pasuk, is read at this point in the year, after Rosh Av and before Tisha B'Av. That is the time of year when we read this pasuk. Umurumaz Bahai Kura. And what is hindered at in this particular verse? Yadalechtecha etamidbar gadol hazeh. How are we meant to understand this concept of yada lechtecha etamidbar hagadol hazeh, which we translated to mean he has watched over your wanderings through this great wilderness? Lehorot shegam bizmanim hachashuchim biyoter. It's there to tell you that even in the times of the greatest darkness, HaKadosh Baruch Hu Nimtza Im Yisrael. You should know that God is together with the Jewish people. Don't ever imagine that you are devoid or bereft of God. God is with you. Even as the uh, Magad of Koznitz puts it, Bizmanim HaChashuchim Beyoter in the darkest possible moments. Even though we are in the midst of this period of great mourning, between Shiva Asa Tammuz and Tisha B'Av, and from the first day of Av in particular until the ninth, Hashem et you should know that God never abandons his nation nor uh, the, those who follow uh, in, his, uh, in his way, his inheritance or his, uh, his legacy. God is surely with you. You shall not lack anything. God is with you. Even in this period, says the Magad of Koznitz of Bein Hamatsarim, even in this period between not only Shiva Asabatamuz and Tisha B'Av, but Rosh Av and Tisha B'Av, the saddest point, the saddest period of the Jewish calendar year, God is with you. You lack nothing. Even at a time when he is transporting you through a wilderness, in a dangerous place, in a land where people do not travel because it's so dangerous and because terrible things can happen there. God traveled before them. God, your God was with you. You lacked absolutely nothing. This pasuk, says the Maggid of Koznitz, being read in this particular period of the Jewish calendar year, is there to hint to you that just as when the Jewish nation traveled through the wilderness for 40 years, they lacked nothing, so too, even in the darkest moments of our exile, we're going to see more about that in a moment, even in this period between Tisha um, the Rosh Chodesh Av and Tisha B'Av, you lack nothing. Same as it was in the wilderness, so it is in these days. These days of darkness between 17th of Tammuz and Tisha B'Av, and particularly the nine days, they are considered to be um, equal to the wilderness and into the valley of death, the shadow of death. As David HaMelech says in Tehillim, even as I travel through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. The word Ata is unusual. First person singular, we're using it with reference to God. The word Ata, and it's uh, in conjunction with this idea of Gates al Mavet, it is, uh, connotes the kindness and generous spiritedness of God, even when we are in the midst of great danger, grave danger. It's Ata, God, you are with me. Ki ikara chesed ma sha'anu zochim likro, le bor einu agadol vanora 
Belashonatai should know. The ultimate form of kindness that God has given us is that we are able, we merit to be able to refer to him, to our creator, our great creator, with the word, with this uh, concept of ata, you, first person singular. Vehu gam ki elech and even at a time when we travel in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, we will never fear evil. Not some remote God is with me, but you, God, are with me. And here the Torah is hinting to us, how should a Jew behave? What is the greatest survival technique of any Jew when he goes through a period of great challenge, of great suffering, of great difficulty? In the same way as when we traveled in for 40 years through the wilderness, the great and terrifying wilderness that we traveled through, the Sinai Desert, for 40 years we were stuck there. God was with us. God traveled alongside us. Don't concern yourself about what could happen. God will surely be with you. And the ultimate form of faith at that particular moment of great difficulty, of great challenge, is for you to know with the full faith that you can muster that you will not lack anything. And as we see in the holy books, how is it that we will ever be able to endure some of the tougher things that God does to us, to sweeten, as it were, some of those tough things that we have to go through in life. He Hashem Elokecha Imach is to know that even in those difficult moments, God is with you. God is there. He is alongside you. He's not some random thing that you can associate with in good times. In fact, he's much more apparent, much closer to you, much more readily available in bad times. Sha'az it is exactly at that moment that you will lack nothing. You should know the Jewish nation has gone through four terrible exiles. Kashot, they've been difficult. From the moment that they became a nation. And this latest one, it's not so late. It's been going on for 2,000 years. Jews have been suffering, have had to endure this latest, this final galut. It's been very difficult. There have been moments over the past 2,000 years where we didn't know how we'd make it through to the next day, never mind the next week or the next month. Our blood has run, as it were, like water. We've been murdered, we've been killed, we've been abused, we've been discriminated against. And despite that, after all that, the Jewish nation remains alive, remains strong, remains in existence. Imagine that. I always say it, and I've said it so many times. If somebody would have told a Roman soldier as he was destroying Jerusalem, you know, one day there's not going to be the might of the Roman Empire, but we, the Jewish people, we're coming back. We're going to come back to Jerusalem. We're rebuilding Jerusalem. Not only are we rebuilding it, the Jerusalem we're going to rebuild is going to be much, much nicer than the one you've just destroyed. Imagine what that Roman soldier would have said to you. He would have thought, you're crazy. Are you nuts? What are you talking about? The 
Do you know what? The great survival secret is of the Jewish nation. It's not such a secret, my friends. It's Hashem Elokecha Imach. Because God, your God, is with you. You lack nothing. Whatever you need is there for your survival. You just need to reach out with faith in God and grab onto it and you will survive. It is these things, the belief in God and the knowledge that we lack nothing that we need that has enabled us to survive everything that has transpired, every vicissitude that we have had to endure. And now we're going to go to a Zohar. I'm going to ask you to turn to the other source sheet because this is a quoted Zohar in the Nesiva Shalom, which I've actually taken in its entirety. It's in Zohar Shemot um, and Shemot 2, and it's in, um, it's in 2B. I, 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 you can look it up actually um, online, and you can find it on Sfaria or various other websites. You can look at it inside, but here I've reproduced it in the source sheet in the original Aramaic, which is the language of the Zohar, and also in an English translation, which I have modified so that uh, it is easy to understand. And I'm going to actually read it to you in the English translation. You can have a look through the Aramaic if you want to um, separately, but I'm going to just make it simple and read the English, English translation. It's on the source sheet for Parashat Dvarim Shabbat Chazon 2020. We learnt, says the Zohar, Rabbi Yitzchak said, what is meant by the Pasuk? It says, Al heharim esa v'chi vanehi. On the mountains, I will take up a weeping and a wailing. What does it mean? It's a Pasuk in Yirmiyahu. Perik tes, Pasuk tes. Ela ilein inun turaya ramaya da'almin. What it means is the mountains that are referred to here are the loftiest in the world. And who are these lofty mountains? Not what are. Who are these lofty mountains? They are the precious sons of Zion, comparable to fine gold. And now they are descending into exile. This is talking about Golus Bovel. The Zohar here is making a reference, taking the prophecy of Jeremiah, of Yirmiya, and talking about Golus Bovel from this posuk, Al-Hahorim Asabhivanehi, they are descending into exile with grindstones around their necks and their hands tied behind them. And when they arrived in the exile of Babylon, when they arrived finally at their destination, they thought that they would never have support because God had abandoned them. God had forsaken them and would no longer watch over them. This was the first moment in Jewish history. The first time ever when the Jewish nation, no longer as it were, was being supervised and cared for by God. So they thought. For a thousand years, the Jewish nation, since Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and until the destruction of the first base Amikdash, something around 1,000 years. They had been personally taken care of by God. And now their temple was in ruins. Their holy city, Jerusalem, was in ruins. The monarchy, the royal family had been murdered or sold into slavery. The entire nation had been sent off into exile into Babylon. Says the Zohar, at that moment they began to believe that God was no longer with them. God had abandoned them. How are we going to understand what actually happened? Is it true that God abandoned the Jewish nation at that moment of destruction, at that moment when the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed on that Tisha B'Av two and a half thousand years ago? The Toninon Omar Rabbi Shimon. So here we have our answer. Reb Shimon Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, presents us with the answer. What happened at Golus Bovel? 
He says, you know what happened? At that moment, God summoned all of his company, all the chariots, all the camps, his officers, all the hosts of heaven. And he said to them, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? My beloved children are in Babylonian exile and you're here? Arise, get up, all of you. Go down to Babylon and I will go with you. I will go with you. And this is what it means when it says, This is what it means when it says in Isaiah, So says God, for your sake, I have sent to Babylon. This refers directly to God. He himself went to Bavel. And will bring down all of them as fugitives. This was, and by the way, that's the next Pasuk in Isaiah, in Perik Mem Gimel, Pasuk Yud and Tesvav. What does it mean? These are all the chariots and camps and associated celestial beings that accompanied God to Bovel, as it were, in whatever way we can understand that, to stay with the Jewish nation. Even in the midst of their greatest suffering, even in the midst of the greatest destruction. Tisha B'Av, two and a half thousand years ago, when the first base Amikdosh was destroyed by the Babylonian army and they took all the Jewish nation into slavery to Bovel, God accompanied them together with the Pamalio Shalmala and continues the Zohar. Kach nachtu lebovel. And when they descended to Bovel, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit of prophecy rested on Ezekiel, on Yechezkel. And that is why we have this incredible prophecy of Yechezkel. The prophecy in which he describes the chariot of God. Where was he seeing it? How is it that he saw these images, this imagery of God and the chariots that accompanied him? And he saw whatever he saw. The Choma Kalmada Choma. Now we understand why this incredible vision of Ezekiel happened. Because God, as it were, descended together with his entire entourage and accompanied the Jewish nation to Bovel, the Choma Komada Choma, and therefore Ezekiel saw whatever he saw, the Omar lonely Yisrael and said to the Jewish nation, Behold, your master is here, and all the hosts of heaven and the chariots, they have come to dwell with you. They are here with you in Bovel, and he described it, because they didn't believe him, says the Zoyar. He was obliged to reveal everything that he saw. I saw this. I saw that. He saw everything and described it because otherwise they wouldn't have believed him. And if he re revealed more, more in other words than was necessary or might have appeared to have been necessary, says the Zohar, don't judge him. Whatever he revealed was necessary because had he not done that, the Jewish nation might have given up on God altogether because they were convinced at that moment in our history that God had abandoned them and that was it. This was the end of Jewish history. Says Yecheskel, it's not the end, not at all. Here is the vision. Let me describe to you what I can see. I'm a prophet, believe me, this is what I'm seeing. And as soon says the Zohar, as Israel saw this, they rejoiced. And when they heard the words from Ezekiel's mouth, they no longer feared their exile at all because they knew that God would not leave them. And everything that he revealed, you should know, says the Zohar, he revealed with God's permission. In the words of the Zohar, the de Gale, Birushusa Gale. He revealed it with God's permission. And that is why we have this incredible vision in Ezekiel. And later on in our history, as we've learnt in the Gemara, and the Gemara describes it in great detail. And uh, the Gemara is in Chagiga, 
we know that the Gemara says that there was a, a great discussion as to whether Yechezkel should be revealed. And they decided to include this passage from Yechezkel describing the chariots and the entourage of God because it's so central and so core to who we are as Jews at that moment in our history when we were ready to give up. God accompanied us and that revelation sustained us and we were able to rejoice even in the midst of great suffering. And continues the Zohar in this final piece that we're going to quote today before we go back to the Nesibah's Shalom. We learned that in each and every place to which Israel was ever exiled, the Shekhinah was exiled with them. Wherever you are in the world, don't know where you are, watching this particular uh, broadcast of my Parsha Shir, doesn't matter if you are on the West Coast or on the East Coast, or if you're in the UK or anywhere in Europe, or if you're in Eretz Israel, Australia, South Africa. I know that I have people who watch and listen to my shiurim all over the world. You're in exile. By the way, even in Eretz Israel, Mashiach hasn't come, we're still in exile. The Shekhinah has been exiled with you. He's there. God is there with you. And here, and this is the beginning of Parsha Shmois, that's where this particular Zohar can be found, as we said. Here, regarding the exile of Egypt, what does it say? It says, What does it mean, Why is it mentioned Yaakov? It just said the children of Israel, B'nai Yisrael. Why does it end with Eis Yaakov, asks the Zohar? It should have said, Why does it say Eis Yaakov? And the answer is, says the Zohar, that the words, doesn't refer to the Jewish nation, actually. It refers to these chariots and the entourage of God that descended together with Yaakov, together with the Shekhinah, into exile. The very first exile of the four that we mentioned earlier was Golus Mitzrayim. And even then, the chariots came together with Yaakov Avinu, and they travel together with Yaakov Avinu and his entire family to Egypt. They stayed together with the Jewish nation in Egypt and they accompanied them out when we had Yitzias Mitzrayim. This is the incredible Zohar that's quoted in the Nesivas Sholem. And I'm, I'm now going to continue reading the Nesivas Sholem. And he quotes this incredible idea that the Jewish nation always had, at every stage, even the most difficult moments in our history, we had the accompaniment of God and everything that accompanies God. And he continues as follows. Um, and now we have to understand that this is the strength of the Jewish nation. And this is what it means in Dvarim when it says, and what we see from the Zohar, that the way we have been able to sustain ourselves, the secret of our survival as a Jewish nation is in the knowledge that God is with us right here, wherever we are. Even as we are fasting on Tisha B'Av, even as we recall the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, even as we are in the midst of the greatest possible challenges that any human being or any nation can face, Hashem Eloikecha Imach. Shakodish Baruchu Nimtza Imayim, that God can be found with them. The Kasha Hashem Eloikecha Imach, Oz Leichasar Todavam. When God is with you, you lack nothing. This, in fact, is the secret of our survival in every era of our existence. And indeed, every individual, if you want to know the secret of your individual survival, not as a group, how do you get through the difficult moments in your life? God is with you, you lack nothing. And that's what the Zara Kodesh means. Every place where the Jewish nation was exiled, the Shekhinah is with them. 
שבכוח זה יכולים הם לוסס את הכל. It's only with this knowledge and this, as it were, um, enabling power that they can carry the load of the difficulties that they have to endure. שזה שייך גם לפרט כמו להכלל. This is no less relevant to an individual as it is to the nation as a whole. We can find this in Chazal. It's, I put this as well on the source sheet. They say it's a Gemara in Yuma, Dafnun Dalad Ahmed Beis. Al Churban Beis Hamikdash, on the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. Kibishoshe Nichnusu Oyevim Lekoidesh Akodoshim. When the enemies of the Jewish nation entered into the sanctuary, the Holy of Holies. Rowes Akruvim Meurin Zebozeh. Do you know what they saw right there in the heart of the most spiritual and holy place of the Jewish nation? That the Keruvim, the cherubs, were hugging one another. V'hainu sh'akodesh baruchu hera oz goidel Yisrael. God demonstrated his great love for the Jewish nation even as the enemies were destroying the Beit HaMikdash. Ki tomid rak bizman she'Yisrael because we know that only when the Jewish nation was doing the will of God, the Kruvim were facing each other and were connected to each other. But that, the fact that in the inner sanctuary, that they were hugging each other, even as the temple was being destroyed, and ostensibly because the Jewish nation had not honored their oblig- obligations to God, demonstrates that that which the temple was being destroyed was only bavate baroi, only an external image, only on the outside. Avo bavate gavoi, inside, what was really going on? Hapanimim, loi chaso avasa kodesh baruchu, God's love um, did not, of Israel for the Jewish nation didn't diminish at all the kayemes bechotoykfa afilu bishasa churban and it continued with all its strength even as the Beis Hamikdash was being destroyed. Ubi alnu bazeh oid inyan gilui toykef ahava bishasa churban, and we can explain. Um, uh, let's let us explain exactly what this means. How is it possible that God can love the Jewish nation even at a time when he is, as it were, presiding over the destruction of their holiest place? And says the Nasiva Shalom, it's easy to understand. There are three levels of love that a father, a parent, has for a child. So the truth is, when you're together with your child, you love your child, you have a fantastic relationship with your child, he's there with you, you're there with him, it's all going very well and that love is obvious. Okay? That's one level, level number one. Level number two, What about when your child is very far away? You still love your child. He's not right there in front of you. You can't hug him and kiss him. You love him actually even more. You really would like to see your child. You miss your child. That is the next level of love. He's not there to be able, it's not tangible. It's not right there in front of you. But that love exists, it's powerful. And what about the ultimate form of love? When your child is sick. And the father, as it were, is the doctor. He has to operate on his own child and take a knife and cut into him. The heart of the father, the heart of the parent is breaking inside him. From pain. When he sees his child suffering with all the pain that is involved in what is going on in his physical condition. That is the ultimate form of love. There's no choice. The father has no choice. He has to take the scalpel. He has to cut into his child. He's the surgeon. He has to do this in order to save his child's life. And at that moment, it's the ultimate form of love. The form of love where you inflict pain 
as a result of the love that you have for your child. And it's exactly the same with the love that God has for the Jewish nation. As we know from the Posuk, that the Jewish nation are referred to as you are the children to God, your God. It's actually at the exact moment of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash. As it were, God is the surgeon and we are the patients. At that moment, he was required to cause pain to the Jewish nation, to bring them up to whatever it was, to cure them of whatever it was that had contaminated them. And he had to inflict upon them the most egregious, painful wounds of the destruction and the exile. It was at that moment that the greatest form of love existed between God and the Jewish nation as epitomized by the hugging Kuruvim in the Kodesh Kadoshim as witnessed by the enemies of the Jewish nation. And this is what the Medrash says. There wasn't a greater celebratory day for the Jewish nation. Doesn't make much sense, the Medrash, as the day in which the Beis Amikdosh was destroyed. Why would that be? It was at that moment that there was this incredible revelation of the ultimate form of love that God has for the Jewish nation, his children. You cannot compare it. It was beyond the beyond, much more than any other time. They were children and he was the surgeon. And children are an eternal um, uh, form of existence, something that cannot be changed at any time. There is this idea of a king and his nation. If they rebel against the nation, there's no longer any connection between the king and the nation. He doesn't like them, he despises them, and he punishes them, whatever he does. Avoben, who dover temidi venitzchi, a child, that is something forever and forevermore. Shi'i efshelenatko, it's not possible to sever that relationship. And that's what it means, the vision that Yeshaya had. In this week's in this week's haftorah that we read in Chazoin Shabbos Chazoin, what does it mean? Shahu ha'omur behemshech bonim mashchisim. How does the pasuk continue? Children who are abominable. What do you mean, children who are abominable? Hainu sha'afilu kashem mashchisim, even where they are abominable, um, uh, something despicable. They never cease being children. They are bonim mashchisim, not anoshim mashchisim. The fact that we are children to God is something that is eternal. And as the Mepharshim explain, al ma. Mamra Kosov and that which it says in the Posuk, it's in Dvarim, Perik Yudalad. What does it mean when it says that you shouldn't separate? By the way, Loisis means you shouldn't scratch your skin. You shouldn't tear off your skin at a time of great mourning. But we interpret it to mean is that we shouldn't separate ourselves out into groups. Separate each other from each other. When terrible things happen to a person, he's got no way of consoling himself. He even tears his flesh. He's willing to tear his own skin off his body. You you are all children, one family, children of God. Don't do that. Don't tear each other apart. Don't tear, as it were, the skin off the body. Don't remove any part of the body from any other part because you're all children of God. 
The one who loves you most as your father is God. Who loves you even more than a father loves a child. And there's no reason for you to display such acts of mourning, such destructive acts of mourning at a moment when you feel bereft of that one who has died, who is close to you, because you should know you have someone who's still close to you. You know who it is? It's God. Now we can understand what it means when it says in the Pasuk that he was, as it were, watching over you as you were traveling through the wilderness. What does the word Yoda mean? Remember, I started off the share by saying the word Yoda is a strange word. It's a lotion of cleaving, of being together, of being close together. As it says, and and Adam knew what does it mean? Vahainu Shakayah had Vekus Ben Kutcha Barikhubi Israel Kayam Tomid Afilubizmanim Agrumbi Yoiser. That means that this Kayah of Dvekus of togetherness, of being together between God and the Jewish nation is something that endures forever, even at times of great difficulty. Don't imagine when you're going through the most challenging moments of your life that God has disappeared. Not so at all. In fact, he's more there with you at that time than at any other time. Do you know how um, we refer to the generation of the wilderness as? What, what word do we use to refer to? What is the adjective that we use to describe that generation? We refer to them as the generation of Dea. What does it mean? What does Deo mean? It means knowledge. But what does it mean, Deo-Deo? Even though they did all of these terrible sins in the wilderness, whatever it is that they did, they're still referred to as Deo-Deo. What does that mean? Zara Kodesh says, there's never been a generation like the generation that existed at the time of the wilderness after Mitzrayim and before we went into the Promised Land. And says the Zohar, there will never be another generation like it. Why? What does it mean, Deo? Why are they called Deo? They had the true and ultimate knowledge. And what is that? of the closeness that one can achieve with God. They were constantly in direct proximity and closeness to God. And during those, that entire 40 years, that's why they're Dor Deo. Deo means, and that's what it means, And that's what it means when the Pasuk says that they lacked nothing. How could, um, they ate the mon, lechem, abirim, the holy mon. They ate God's own food. He cooked it in his kitchen. And they drank water from the be'er Miriam, from water that's provided to them by, directly by God through miraculous means. They cleaved to God. They had access to God every minute of every day. They learned Torah. Do you know who they learned it from? They learned it from Moses himself, the ultimate source of Torah knowledge. And through this, they were constantly in contact and in closeness, in proximity to God. And the Zohar Kodesh also says, There will never be a generation like it. The Inun is Dabku Madaloi is Dabku Dorin. Because they were close to God in a way that no other generation was ever close to God, nor will they ever be. The Chiyisabaferish, um, it says in a in the explanation of Ramad Vali Talmud Ramchal, this Talmud of the Ramchal says as follows: Aposuk Yeda Yoda Lechtecha Samidbar. What does it mean when it says Yoda Lechtecha Samidbar? 
It's obvious that God knows everything. So the word Yada can't mean that. What does it mean? It wasn't that God knew everything about them and was with them at that time, but it was close to them at that time throughout their 40 years in the wilderness. This incredible, as it were, oneness, this togetherness between God and the Jewish nation is something that perpetuated throughout their many travels and sojourns in the wilderness. And wherever there is this holy yichud, there is lacking, nothing is lacking. And this strength, this power, it's something that is there and available and ready for the Jewish nation in every era and every moment in our history and even right now. If you know that God is with you, you will lack nothing. If a Jew comes close to God, believes in God and is with God at every moment, he will lack nothing. It's only when he feels disconnected from God that's when he will um, lack everything else and he will feel all the terrible suffering that he may have to endure, but which he wouldn't feel if he felt that God was with him. When a Jew feels that he is close to God, then even if he travels through the valley of the shadow of death, he will fear no evil because he knows you, God, are with me. This has been the great strength of the Jewish nation in every place that they've been exiled. Every place they've had the Shechina with them. Because it was only through this dveikus with the shechina, it was with that strength. This is the secret of our survival, that we knew that God was with us even in our darkest moments, even in the darkest and most desperate times of our Jewish history. We have known that God was with us, and it's with the strength of that knowledge that we were able to know that first of all we can get through it, and second of all we lack nothing. A Kamosha Pirashnu Rashi, and as we explain the words of Rashi Baresh Parshas Vayechi, the beginning of Parshas Vayechi, Lama Parsha Zusatuma. Why is the Parsha Vayechi? Why does it follow immediately on from Vayigash without any break in the words? As it is with every other Parsha in the Torah where there's a break, so there's a recognizable separation between the previous Parsha and the next Parsha, but between Parshas Vayigash and Parshas Vayechi, there's no separation. Because when Yaakov died, suddenly the, entire, the eyes and the hearts of Israel were were blinded and blocked, as it were, they were closed, mitzaras hashibud, from the terrible suffering of the yoke of slavery in Egypt. And the implication is that even before Yaakov died, there was the shibud mitzrayim. No, so why weren't they feeling the same way before he died? But at the moment that Yaakov was gone, nistamu enem. Their eyes were closed. Everything went black. Everything became terrible. The libom, and the same with their hearts. Mitzaras hashibud. So what was going on? Because the ultimate exemplar of this closeness that can exist between a Jewish person, a human being, in fact, and God, where is this? Mekoyr, the source, is Yaakov himself. He is the root of all of this. He is the ultimate exemplar of this dveikus b'Hashem Yisbarach. V'chozman shahoyachai, and uh, the entire time that he was still alive, hishpi'ale Yisrael as dveikus b'Hashem. He, as it were, conveyed and exuded this dveikus to God. To the extent they never even felt that they were in Golis. Why? Because they had Yaakov Avinu. Therefore, they had Dveikus Bashem. Therefore, Lechasar Tadavar. They didn't feel it at all. They had Yaakov there. He was their inspiration. He was their life. 
even though they were already in the Shibud Mitzrayim, their eyes and their hearts were not closed, were not clouded over by the Tzoros and by the suffering. And only from the moment that Yaakov died, and at that moment the Dveikus was removed, this inspirational figure, it was only at that moment that the full um, strength and the full suffering of the Shibud Mitzrayim suddenly dawned on them. And you need to realize that this is the ultimate form of, this is the greatest uh, piece of information that you could ever gain from any aspect of faith knowledge, Zuha Eitzagadoila, it's the ultimate form of advice, to get rid of any feeling, negative feeling you may have as a result of some tough thing that's going on in your life. What is it? Hashem Elaikecha Imach. God, your God is with you. Yisrael The Jewish nation traveled, traversed the wilderness. For 40 years, Eretz, Tziovet Salmovis, it's a terrible place. Think of all the suffering and think of all the dreadful things that can happen in a wilderness. The heat of the sun and the dangerous animals and the lack of um, resources. They went through it for 40 years. She'en Shom Me'uma. There's nothing going on in the wilderness. There's no possibility of an improvement. V'holchu B'Koyach. How did they go? They went with the strength, with the power, with the knowledge. That God was with them. Their dveikus with God was sufficient to get them through 40 years of the wilderness. It says in the Siva Shalom, what great example can we have? This is what Moshe Rabbeinu is telling us at the beginning of Devarim. What great example can you have? What greater foundation can you find? for enduring suffering and difficulties as an individual or as a group, as a nation, is this idea of And this indeed is the way for a Jew in every one of his situations. Even when he is in an ultimate form of darkness, in a very dark and horrible place, in Begashmius, in Baruchnius, whether it is in material, in a material sense or in a spiritual sense, he should be connected to God. And God will be with him, should be with him. Because at that moment you will realize that you lack nothing at all, that you are safe, you're on safe ground and in safe territory. We'll leave it here. Thank you so much.